Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. And Troy is officially late for the show. He's here. I just don't know where he is. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland. 537-1350 is our number. Full two hours today. We're with you until 6 o'clock. Batcats fall last night to Wichita State 10-4. Get into some... uh, Men's basketball, football recruiting for K-State here in just a few moments. Julius Brintz, ESPN sees him maybe as a round one guy. Number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything is all coming up. And by the way, man, the Royals just absolutely stink. I mean, just got their butts kicked in by the Texas Rangers. Bad. They are off to a historically bad start. Speaking of a bad star, Troy has just walked in. All right, go ahead and explain yourself. You know how the show works. You show up late, you got to give me a good reason. I was making sure I had the top story on our sports update coming up in terms of women's basketball. So, okay, since you brought that up, to me, that's the right answer. I'm going to let it slide. However, you did. I was getting my details. You did also roll in after four o'clock. Really? That would have been right addish. Travion, it was after 4 o'clock. I know the Royals went a little bit long, and by the way, how rare for a Royals broadcast to go over three, or, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, from the start of the first pitch, you know, first pitch to the end of the broadcast, it'd be over three hours. Three and a half now, yeah. yeah, Yeah. It hasn't happened too often. You are taking advantage of the Royals going a little bit long. What what Troy is referencing, and this you know might steer our second hour in a bit of a different direction because I think this is a pretty big deal, and that is Jeff Mitty. It was announced just a few moments ago that he has landed a five eight point guard and a transfer from Louisville in Ziana Walker. I I don't know exactly how to pronounce her name very well, but. Um, K State Twitter's blown up about it. Not you know, she's from Wichita, Wichita Heights kid, mm-hmm. and out of high school was the Gatorade Player of the Year in Kansas. 
four-star recruit, top 30 recruit. You know, as I explained to a couple of people, I was like, you know what? This is kind of the, uh, you know, if she was right out of high school, Mm -hmm. this is David Castillo. Yeah. In that neighborhood. I mean, when it comes to the rankings, the position, incredible talent, great shooter, just very limited opportunity at Louisville. I don't know the story there. I don't know why. Only played five games. Yeah, an average two points a contest. Yeah. Not really any assists, not a whole lot of rebounds, just a couple of points. And They weren't a very deep ball club, though. Louisville? Louisville. Really? They, they tended to be limited to about a rotation of eight. Well, and they were year. good. And they were good. As they are pretty much every year. Yes. But in terms of a rotation, you had two freshmen on that team, both that are transferring out now in guards and weren't utilized much at all. Well, they just had a player jump into the portal, did Louisville. Their top player. Yeah, and guess who Guess who she's visiting? Yeah. Kim, Baton Rouge and Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey. Yeah. <sighs> and Louisville... Was it the Caitlin Clark game? Because I think they lost to Caitlin Clark in the Elite Eight. They did. And was that the game like Caitlin started to – was it the You Can't See Me game? Uh-huh. Like the first one? Yes. Huh. Because I know she was – I think that's when the jawing, like the talking actually started and Caitlin Clark kind of turned into in a way – well, not so much – it wasn't really a villain. It was just kind of funny to watch You know, the phenom of women's college basketball – Finally start getting the attention she deserves, and now she's kind of turning into the showboater. Right. And the cocky one. Heel heel turn. In a way, but then she became the good guy in the national championship game because of, you know, LSU giving her a piece of her own medicine. Anybody playing against Kim Mulkey's team is a a hero, you know, in in that aspect. Not a lot of people, I think, would disagree on that one. Uh, Again, welcome to the game. Guys, it's Wednesday. And you know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're going to hear from the elite. We're going to hear from the AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR. Chris Jericho will be on TV tonight, plus a couple of title matches as well. The hometown girl, Brett Baker, is going to be in action. But you also know it's Derek Young from Kaysen Online Day. By the way, we will we may have some break-ins here and there, potentially, when it comes to severe weather. I just want to keep that in mind. You're going to hear the tones throughout the show. We do have a tornado watch for the K-Man listening area. So uh, Travion is going to be watching the radar, watching all the info, and I'm sure Troy will have an eye on it as well. We'll break in when we need to. Derek from K-State Online now joins us. D.Y., you know, growing up in Ohio, did you run into many situations with severe weather like tornadoes or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty common. But not Tornado Alley, right? Like, how many times do you recall, like, actually having to go into, like, a tornado shelter? Uh, probably one or two times a year. It oh, wasn't, wow. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't some scenario where those things were, were pretty rare. In Ohio, it, it was, I don't think it was as consistently windy as Kansas can be th- through the warm months, but tornado threats were about as common, I would say. Um I lived, I grew up about 45 minutes north of a town called Xenia, Ohio. And while I was growing up, I believe that town got hit by at least three, it might have been more, F4 or F5 tornadoes. Just the same spot just unfortunately kept getting crushed. So that became Tornado Town. Wow. I mean, in Kansas, I 
I can't even think of a town that has had that kind of bad luck. Well, I was just alerted today to a, a story talking about the 15th anniversary of the biggest one that we saw out there. You've seen the photo that I've mm-hmm. shown you in the past and, and how Windsor, Colorado is rebuilt from that. And that came through as a as a EF1 and just was a monster when it came through. Because I know Clay Center was famously hit by a tornado. I think it was in the 70s. Chapman, of course, that happened when I was a junior in high school. And I remember, you know, um, ABC's uh, Extreme Makeover came and did a show there, the home edition part of it, and I was part of that. Uh, but, you know, lately Kansas is kind of uh, not – has the numbers are down. Let's just put it that way. I remember we, we went months a few years ago – months without a single tornado in the state of Kansas, which had been unheard of for basically forever. All right, DY, let's get to uh let's get to the K State basketball team here. The big commit earlier or uh yesterday rather, four star according to on three, did get one five star rating. That was from ESPN, David Castillo, point guard from Bartlesville, Oklahoma, six one kid who plays for Clint Stewart, a former player for the Cats, of course, who was also a four-star guy uh, back in the day, has picked the Cats at the finish line. David Castillo, was it zero doubt that he was going to pick K-State? No, I mean, in in that last week or two before his decision, which it wasn't really necessarily planned, they they only did that days in advance, you really started to hear some of the the Kansas State chatter uh, and um, obviously, culprit of that was the Wildcat success at the end of the year. The, what they were able to do with guards, what they showcased in terms of the ability to get them the freedom to on the basketball court as well. The NCAA tournament success, the way that they kind of marketed their product and be kind of came the it school, so to speak, from a fun and, and culture standpoint. I think culturally. It's one of the the hotter schools out there, and I think that little run, which seemed like it was like a one or a two month sprint there between February and March, I I think that's really what guided towards guided Kansas State towards that recruiting win and and really a bellwether win. Um, you know, one of the better high school ads that the program has had in the recruiting era. Uh, you know, a top three, top four signee will be a signee ever the the best one in over a decade and and bellwether for the fact that it's like you know i think everyone was starting to understand that jerome tang and company had the ability to recruit to a much higher level than what kansas state had been accustomed to seeing over the course of the years and that kind of came to fruition so it was kind of a reinforcement of what we all thought was possible under jerome tang and also bellwether and the fact that it was a head-to-head recruiting win against kansas and basketball and that's just not something you often see for anyone but but definitely kansas state yeah it's i I brought up yesterday you know i think there's been times where fans if you know if a recruit process or maybe a year just didn't go that well like you start blaming it's like is it manhattan you know is it hard to recruit to manhattan some guys kids just just can't recruit to manhattan it's a tough place to recruit to well well, in basketball, I think you know in the last twenty years we've seen whoever was the coach get some guys. Some years it just works out; sometimes it doesn't. And I think where the pace is really picked up, and I'll ask you this: Is this where the statement is being made? Where with Jerome Tang, you're seeing some very high quality, fast paced recruiting in a very short amount of time. Which you mentioned, David Castillo, maybe a top four recruit all time, at least in the recruiting service era. 
but also the three which you consider for this year's class. It's happening very quickly. Yeah, it's happened quickly. Uh, it's just a combination of you have a coach that relates, an, an entire coaching staff led by Jerome Tang that relates to these kids very, very well, knows exactly what they want, knows exactly how to speak to them, um, connects with them on a great level, um, values recruiting, right? This isn't just, I mean, they're, they're they're getting what they put into it. They put a lot of time into it. They realize this is about dudes as well, and that kind of goes into it. Um, you're, you have instant success on the floor. You have a very entertaining and a playing style and an appealing playing style for recruits, especially guards. Like I said, their freedom. And then just the way you're marketing the product, the way culturally you're connecting with you know, your recruiting base and the, the charisma that your coaches have. I think it's just a, a really a perfect storm. So have you seen David Castillo play in person? I have. Yes. So I'd like to know from your point of view, watching him in person, we know about his scoring. Yeah. What, what what exactly do you like about him? What What's so great about David Castillo from what you've seen in person? I just don't think there's a hole in his game. Um, if there's a hole in his game, it's that he's a little undersized. Now he's not Marquise Noel stature. He's not five foot seven or five foot eight, five foot nine. He's just about six foot. The six one that he's listed at is probably a bit generous. I think I'm taller than him, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just no holes in his game. He can shoot. He can dribble. He can attack. He can get to the you know. He can shoot from anywhere on the floor, off the bounce, off the catch. He can get through the hole. He can penetrate. He can distribute for others. There's, there's. I'm not saying that he's like elite in all of those categories that I just listed, but he's capable in all of them. Um, um, size is just not something that is um, elite for him. And if he was, I mean, if he's six foot four, six foot five, he's probably a one and done lottery pick. But instead, he's six foot six one. So. He's going to have his limitations in some areas, and especially on the defensive end in the early goings, I imagine. And, and he's going to have to bulk up, um, add strength, but he can really shoot. He can really, um, really good ball handles, ball, a really good ball handler. Now when he gets a little bit of ball pressure, like when teams really turn up the heat on him, you can see him get a little bit looser, um, not necessarily like critically bad. So you wonder... Because I think he can play both on the ball and off the ball. He has the skill sets to do both. But you're talking maybe um, eventually a guy that's probably an undersized two guard. All right, so I haven't had a chance to listen to your On3 podcast yet about, and I saw you guys released it right after the announcement was made by David Castillo at Bartlesville High School yesterday. So I, I, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but I'd love to get your thought on. So at the finish line, you saw the three hats in front of David. You had K-State, Oklahoma State, and Kansas. And I think the way it was being talked about, I guess, it was like KU was saying, well, as we get closer to the deadline here with David when he wants to make his announcement, maybe we're not so in on him anymore. Also, you know, maybe that was also because K-State was becoming a very heavy favorite. So at the finish line, do you think KU was really wanting David Castillo at that point? I do. It's it's hard to say. Hard to say that they didn't when they hosted him on an excuse me when they hosted him on an official visit at the end of February. They were the last school to have him on campus. Um, that wasn't even Kansas State. Kids, they had him on campus in January. 
I believe Oklahoma State was in January as well, maybe December. So it was those are the three official visits he took with KU being his last one. So it's hard to say that they completely flipped the 180 and went in reverse when they were the last school to host them and less than two months ago on an official visit. So I think Kansas was definitely involved. I think Kansas definitely wanted him. But I I can understand maybe the narrative being floated out there because Kansas does not want to be associated with losing a basketball recruit to Kansas State because, you know, typically that's not something that happens. We have Derek Young from K-State Online joining us via the Zoom. We have him reserved for one more segment. And when we come back, we'll again look at the guys that are currently in the portal that K-State is recruiting. A Wildcat has jumped in the portal as of today, plus a football commit yesterday. Back with Derek Young on the game next. We're back. The game on K-Man. Mitch, Troy, Travion. If you got any questions for us, feel free to feel free to tweet us at Mitch the Fort at the game K-M-A-N. We're back with Derek Young from Casey Alliance. We're talking hoops. All right, so let's go ahead and just address. I think you know this is the weekly question, right? Dy, and that's what the fans want to know. You know who's next in the portal? Who's going to be signed first? Who's going to commit? As we've been talking the last couple of weeks about the same guys, Max A. Smith from Oral Roberts, Aaron Estrada from Hofstra, then the North Texas kid in in Tyler Perry. So I guess I'll I'll, I'll give you the floor here. If there's any updates that we should know about these three, and uh, you know the I guess the likelihood that's what the people want to know, right? The likelihood any of these three could become a cat. Yeah, the chatter in the last 48 hours was starting to feel pretty K-State friendly when it came to Max Asmus, the transfer from Royal Roberts that has already visited. I don't want to diffuse that. Um, I've been kind of bullish on Kansas State still being a threat despite not getting that immediate commitment from him that those wanted um, soon after his trip to Manhattan. Now, this isn't my information. This is from Jeff Goodman from the Field of 68. And I believe Jerry Hamilton from Inside Texas of On3, one of my colleagues at the On3 Network, are now both of those are reporting that he is expected to leave. Is uh, Ace is, is ex- expected to leave his Dallas home today and begin a visit to Texas. So um, that is something that would reinforce everything that I've heard that the only real threat to Kansas State would be Texas. Um, I still like where Kansas State is positioned. But a visit to Austin certainly puts the Longhorns in the game and gives them at least a chance to outdo the Wildcats. And they are the only ones that pro- probably can do so. Um, I know you know this uh, as well as anyone because I've been talking about them quite a bit, even though others haven't. But I've insisted that Kansas State is a contender for Tyler Perry, the North Texas guard transfer, despite not making previous lists for him, right? There was like two or three, you know, list of schools that were prioritizing him or that he was prioritizing and Kansas State wasn't on it. And I said, don't listen to that, that they they can still be a contender. Just sit back and, and watch. And we, that came to fruition, what would it have been, Tuesday night, last night, when 
he announced the final four of uh, of Texas Tech, Ole Miss, Florida, and Kansas State. I expect Wildcats to get an official visit, and it sounds like he will make his decision on May 2nd. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I do like where K-State sits. Um, and who was the other one? We're, we're talking about Aaron Estrada. Aaron Estrada. I, I, yeah, I, I believe that he will be going to Alabama. Okay. You mentioned the list, right? The final four, final five, or, you know, and even before that, there's kind of the breakdown of uh, it's announced like all these schools that are interested in, in a certain particular player. Isn't that kind of an interesting trend, but also a bit confusing at times? Because you see K State kind of come out of nowhere on these lists once in a while. Is that a trend that's just kind of started this year, or was that last year too? I think that's probably just been something that's always been associated with the transfer portal, but the transfer portal hasn't necessarily been this main, mainstream for, for very long, probably only a couple of years, as you alluded to. Um, you just have a hard time. You can't take these lists as gospel because a lot can still change. New schools can still enter the picture. Some schools want to be under the radar, Um there's there's some dominoes that still have to follow for some schools as well. Um, there's just a lot of strategy that goes into it. So it's what I tr- try to tell some people um, on our board yesterday on our on our site is that you really as a fan to follow this just because you're not going to get all the ins and outs and know what everything means and all the behind the scenes. You need to find like your your couple guys that you think know what they're talking about and and that you trust and just follow them and listen to them and, and nobody else because you you do have to have someone that understands the nuances of the transfer portal because both the athletes and the coaching staffs are operating with a lot of strategy in mind, and that can mean that what you see on the surface isn't necessarily what it's supposed to be. Speaking with Derek Young from K-State Online, we learned earlier today that 6'7 guard Anthony Thomas for the Cats has entered the portal. He becomes a second after Ish Masood. Ish is kind of, uh, seems like his list is dwindled down to two. That's the latest story, right? New Mexico and then Fordham, which is actually a Catholic school in the Bronx, New York. Uh, but with Anthony, he didn't play last year. He was a redshirt after transferring from Tallahassee Community College. I guess the story here is, I mean, I don't see a lot of cons with this loss. I think he's going to be great wherever he goes when he finally gets to play. I, but the coaches had known about this for a little while, right? You feel like the coaches have been recruiting recently with thinking that they have four scholarships available? Yes, I, I believe that probably for about a week they probably knew that there was four voids to fill. Okay, so that's what I thought. I I thought I'd heard some about it recently, but I didn't want to report on until it was actually official. Now it is official, Anthony Thomas into the portal after a redshirt year with the Cats after previous stops at UT Martin and also Tallahassee Community College. Now let's jump to football. John Price, three-star running back from Blue Valley High School, a Tiger, now becomes a Wildcat for the class of 2024. Uh, So the story here, he had over 1,000 yards rushing last year as a junior. In-state kid, he's a top five. I think mostly he's listed at number three in the state of Kansas. Uh, it kind of goes back to like what I was asking you about, you know, David Castillo. If you've seen him in person and what you like about him, because he's not Dylan Edwards, even though he's a top three kid in the state of Kansas. No, he doesn't. He's not that. Um, that class last year was much better than this one. Yeah. But I do think, you know, I'm just 
trying to put my head together a little bit here. I do think he's probably, for me, easily the number three player in the state. Now, the number three player in the state in 2024 is not equal to the number three player in the state in 2023, as you kind of indicated. But this is still a, a pretty good football player. Um, really good offer list. It's a, you know, Kansas State definitely fended off Iowa, Oklahoma State, and KU for him. It's another carrot, and you know, a feather in the cap inside the Sunflower State when the Jayhawks are certainly trying to push there a little bit more. Kansas State only becomes stronger inside their own borders. So um, a really good football player. Um, I still think, though, he wouldn't be in the top five of last year's class. I still think if he were in last year's class, he would get offered. He's pretty good. Um, a smaller back, not like the super small backs that Kansas State has ma- made famous, but a smaller back with not near as much explosiveness as Dylan Edwards because this was world class, but a, quite a bit of explosiveness, really good vision. A guy whose best football is also still ahead of him. He is not necessarily incredibly seasoned or incredibly, you know, acquainted with the game of football at a high level. So in terms of growth potential and ceiling, there's a lot still untapped there as well. Yeah, you mentioned uh, two things I really liked about him, and you, and you mentioned it. Uh, w- the big one, though, to me was the vision. Uh, he, he, and he can cut. He can cut real quickly. Great vision of what's in front of him and with the peripherals, what he's got coming at him side to side. I love him around the edge, getting around the corner and getting down the sideline. He almost scored with one shoe on on a couple of runs last year for uh, Blue Valley. But it's cool that uh, you know Coach Kleiman has now really established his presence in Kansas City along with the assistance, of course, yeah. like Brian Anderson. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the third straight year that they're going to get a player from Blue Valley? Yeah, you know, third straight year getting a player from Blue Valley. Last year was Andre Davis. The year before that was Sterling Lockett. Obviously, you know, just as well as I am, as I do, Blue Valley is one of the powerhouse football programs in the state of Kansas. So if you're going to get in bed with the program, um, that's probably one of the 10 that you'd say to get in bed with. Uh, And Kansas State has certainly done that. Chris Kleiman, very, very close with the head coach at Blue Valley, Alan Terrell. So uh, just a really good marriage. And another thing to add that I I haven't brought up, but I know you you did share that he ran for over a thousand yards last year, that being John Price from Blue Valley. Um, would have had much more. He also had, he was uh, riddled with injury a little bit, so he had the he could have he could have flirted with at least fifteen hundred if not for that. Speaking of Derek Young from Case in Line, couple more questions. So you mentioned you know the class for twenty twenty four at the state of Kansas does not compare; it's not as good as the class of twenty twenty three. And K State did a very exceptional job with that twenty twenty three Kansas high school, like top high school kids class, getting six of the top 12. Who is the best player in 2024? Would you say it's Michael Boganowski of Junction City? Absolutely. Not even close. He's okay. uh, He would be, to me, he, he could still, you know, Avery Johnson would probably still be number one for me, but if you put Michael Boganowski in the last class, he's contending for number two or number three probably. Yeah, I've seen him play in person. That kid is an absolute stud and – absolutely want him to be a wildcat he, he's I, legit you know something i'm going to write so and it's going to be a premium piece but i'll give you the premium nugget here first on the air is that here we go i i talked to someone and because i had this belief and it's someone that would know and they agreed michael kansas state is 
probably more in the lead right now for Michael Boganowski than they were this time last year for Avery Johnson. So um, I think that's a powerful statement, and it goes to show you just how good K-State is recruiting inside their own borders right now because Boganowski is a really, really good prospect. All right, the final question I want to bring up, and I, I want to shout Drew Galloway. I've noticed he's been doing a lot of great writing for you guys at K-State Online and, and with On3 with the, with the K-State football stuff, but uh, Ashton Bethel-Roman is a name I've been seeing pop up a lot lately, and that's because he visited recently. He's a four-star wide receiver from the state of Texas. Now, I've been texting with my Texas Tech guy, and I, 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 I know now the Red Raiders are also really wanting him, but... I guess, what do you know from his recent visit? And um, I guess you can tell us if you know how good he is. Uh, well, he's in the top 100, according to our guys. And I haven't seen him play in person, obviously, since he's from the state of Texas. But, the, you know, that's good enough for me. Um, he's in a top 250, I think, for everyone except for rivals. So this is a guy that just about every service really, really loves. as a wide receiver, just a hair over six foot. Um, and like you said, I think it's going to be a big 12 battle. You mentioned Texas Tech. I'll say K-State. I think they did themselves a favor on the visit. I think he really was uh, the culture and the way that Kansas State operates, I think, really appealed to him. And I also think probably don't discount Baylor. He's taking a couple trips to Waco, and they're probably in the ball game as well. All right, D.Y., good stuff as always. I really appreciate it. Good talk today. That's all I got for you, so we'll talk to you next week. See you later. Derek Young, K-State Online. Go subscribe. Premium content over there, guys, if covering the Cats football and men's basketball. But next, uh, we'll get into some baseball as we wrap up the hour. Back Cats, Royals, we'll see where it goes. Coming up next. the phone number to call the game. Also, send us in your questions at Mitch the Fort at the game, KMAN. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berkland. Last night at Twitten Family Stadium, a bit of a disappointing result. Batcats fall to Wichita State by the final of 10-4. K-State has now allowed a total of 28 runs in the last two contests. Uh, Heavy, heavy wins in the game Sunday (laughs) in Lawrence. Wins were kind of off and on, it seemed like, with the with the flags in right field. Uh, K-State fell victim to the home run ball yesterday. Uh, let me count these up. As K-State allowed, if I'm all right here, six home runs yesterday to Wichita State. Every run by the Shockers was scored on a home run. Um, Jackson Wentworth, the starting pitcher, now one in four. Really struggled with keeping pitches down in the zone. Kind of gave up some tailor-made pitches to blast out of the yard. It was a rough one, but K-State takes the loss. They'll get an opportunity to play Wichita State again. I guess what I want to say here is, and I'll put it this way as well, I mean, K-State had its opportunities in a couple of innings where they only put up one crooked number, and that was in the in the fourth inning. But there were a couple of innings down the stretch where K-State had guys on. They wasted bases loaded in one inning. In the bottom of the ninth inning, two men on, nobody out, and then three straight outs. K-State had their opportunities, just unfortunately didn't cash in. It just wasn't their night. What you're going to see this weekend is more depth with the bullpen. Guys are going to be rested. I mean, they had to throw a lot of guys out there on Sunday. Yes, they did. Um, There was a moment, however, I will say that – 
there was a pitcher for Wichita State in the game. Uh, Jace Miner, who pick, picked up the victory, K-State couldn't get anything off this guy. I mean, he was just dealing. I think he retired 12 straight batters at one point and then walked a batter and then exited the game for Nate Sneed. Oh, man, that, that was just one you wish you could have back because you had your opportunities if a couple of pitches went your way instead of the way of Wichita State. Completely different game. Completely different game. But here's the thing. Cats dropped four spots in the RPI. Definitely not the end of the world. Definitely not the end of the world. I, I still believe that if they can make a statement this weekend at UC Irvine, the trajectory of the season could be is feeling very positive. You're in a spot right now where you have to remind yourself it's April. It's the middle of April. There's still a month worth of baseball yet to be played in front of this team. Three Big 12 series. You trip to UC Irvine, there's a lot of RPI potential. You're talking mm-hmm. high RPI games still to be played. And K-State has a, what it is is an opportunity to build the resume. Build the resume, climb up the RPI leaderboard, and hopefully get themselves into an NCAA tournament for the first time in a decade. But last night was a rough night. It was over. It felt like it was over pretty early. I, I joke. It midweek baseball is midweek baseball. You're you're going to have nights like what happened last night happen to good teams. It it's just the way that the game goes, and in midweek games, it tends to go that way. The, the unusual ones are what took place on Sunday in Lawrence, a conference game that winds up being that type of a contest. I mean, that, that, was, that was almost Gorilla Ball-esque. Meanwhile, I want to squeeze this in before Travion gets us out when we need to get out. We're actually good to the top right now. Oh, okay. Well, that will allow us to squeeze in a couple of minutes for the Royals because I just want to say, holy crap, is this bad. Ugh. I didn't so think disgusted. it would be this bad. I mean, this is by far worse than Major League Baseball bad to start. It's April, like you said, with the Bat Cats. It doesn't matter what month of the season this is. It, it is terrible. The Royals have been outscored in the last two games, 24 to 5. The Royals have lost nine of their last 10, and they're 4 and 15. I wanted to bring up a tweet I saw earlier, and that was. Before today's game, Kansas City starting 4 and 14 is the 33rd team to start that bad or worse since divisions came into play, which goes back to the 60s. Would you like to hear who's worse? Go ahead. Yes, there is a team that is worse the A's. Oh, are you talking about record? Yes. So they'll be the 34th team to be 4 and whatever through the first 19 or worse. 3 and 15. That's pretty bad. But the Royals, I was looking at their numbers earlier. And this wasn't including today, but it's going to be bad. Yeah. They are last in Major League Baseball in runs, batting yeah. average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, about everything you can imagine offensively. And now recently it's been pretty rough for the pitchers as well. <sighs> I, didn't we learn our lesson last year with Carlos Hernandez? Didn't we learn the lesson that, no, that kid is not ready for the major leagues? Tried him as a starter, and it was throwing gas on the fire. I think Tried him last night as a reliever. It's throwing gas on the fire. This kid <laughs> is not in the major leagues. for a, it, No, no. Literally, four straight hits, four straight singles, and a homer. 
Five batters faced, five runs scored. Nobody out. I think what Disgusting. we learned is Dayton Moore trying to save his job, mentioning that this this organization where it currently stands and what they have is very close to being a contender. What that should have said is maybe should have ditched this guy a couple of years prior. Yeah. Hour two of the game. Julius Brintz. His draft stock looking bueno right now. Cat in the portal. Mitty picks up a pretty big recruit. Number one song of the day and ask us anything, but coming up next, it's your local news.